sir. Good to see you, man. Good. Take a seat. Thank you. Um, ah, there's a water for you there and a microphone there. So, sir, welcome to Dublin ah. Comic Con. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, is this your first time in Ireland? No, it isn't. I was here, but it was 25 years ago. And I drove all through. I started in Dublin and, and drove west uh, to the west coast and then down. And of course, everyone must go to the Ring of Kerry. So I did that and then came back. And I'm going to repeat that trip starting tomorrow. And you'll have it done like that? No, 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 no. That's the good thing about not being the Flash. You can take your time. Um, it is actually, I think a lot of us as fans of The Flash, in my generation, we grew up with the TV series. We saw it when it, when it hit our screens over here. And the, the kind of character that The Flash was growing up as a comic book reader, you never expected to see him embodied on screen the way he has been. And you were pretty much the first Flash for everyone. That's what they tell me. So it blows my mind, really. And I remember my, I got my wife into watching the new TV series, and she was never really a big comic book reader. But then I showed her the classic series. And she'd seen you in the new series, and then she saw you in the classic series. And said, Why doesn't he have that suit in the new series? <laughs> That's a good suit. Oh, yikes. No, those suits disintegrated. I heard actually recently that half of one was in a plexiglass case in a Planet Hollywood in Orlando. And I was like, man, just the thought of having that thing that close to people's food kind of, you know. That was a very challenging suit. It was all one piece. They couldn't clean it. I was sweating so much that uh, the foam latex was crumbling from about the third episode on. If you look too closely in high definition, you know, you'll see certain where the seams are showing. But yeah, they built four suits for $100,000 in 1990. And we had an Oscar winner design that suit as we have an Oscar winner design the new suit, Colleen Atwood. And uh, yeah, they couldn't clean those things. So they'd be soaking wet when I took them off. They'd hang them, the one I was wearing in my trailer, and they'd spray it with Lysol. So at 5 a.m. it would still be wet and sticky when I put it on. So, you know, I mean, everybody has a horror story about playing a superhero suit. And you don't want to hear us sit up here and whine about, oh, it was so hard, you know. But uh, you know what? Oh, it was hard. <laughs> did you find, when, when the first series came around, originally with the original Flash, did you find that there was any pressure on you because you were the first physical embodiment of that character on the screen to kind of give it your all or give it a good representation of who he was? Well, I had, I had a couple of pressures on me uh, from my personal standpoint. I had been in New York for 13 years. I had started in soaps. And uh, I had done that, and then I had been on Broadway with Harvey Firestein. And if you've never shared a Broadway stage with Harvey Firestein, I can tell you, it's really something. Uh, and then I had just done Never Ending Story 2, mm. which we shot. It, did anybody see that film, Never Ending Story 2? Yeah. The interiors, everything inside was shot in Munich. And then everything outside was shot in Vancouver. So when I'm running down the street looking for the bookstore and all that, I'm in Vancouver. The minute I walk through the door, I'm in Munich through the magic of television, uh, motion pictures. They put it together. What was your question? <laughs> Were there any challenges given to you in being the first of Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I was, this was my first primetime show. Uh, I knew it was the beginning of a new way of telling these stories uh, for television. It was a way that you guys were familiar with all along. You knew these were rich 
textured, layered characters and had the elements of classic drama, you know, in it. But the rest of the world thought it was tights and zoom, pow, thwoosh, bang, you know. And so uh, we knew that we were at the cutting edge of something new. Batman had started it the year before. And, um, and also my, myself as being at the center of this enormous show. It was the most expensive show Warner Brothers had done for television up to that point. We had a third of the back lot at Warner Brothers. I had a parking lot on the back lot at Warner Brothers with my name on it. Kind of, you know, trippy. So, so that was, you know, we wanted it to be a success. We were under enormous pressure. We were trying to do essentially an hour movie a week without CGI. And so we had to do live uh, action practical effects. In other words, as Danny Bilson says, if we wanted to explode a semi full of cars and shoot flames 40 feet in the air, we really had to do it, you know. And, uh, and so that made it our shoots very long, very late, uh, very early into the mornings. We had nine days per episode. Who is that guy right up there? That's me. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, stop looking at me. Uh, uh, what was I saying? Oh, nine days per episode, two units running simultaneously. And now they can do it in eight days. And the effects look great through the miracle of technology. Mm. Um, you mentioned the theatre, you've worked in it, so like, transitioning from theatre and then obviously daytime soaps and stuff like that into something this fantastic. Did you find it challenging as an actor to put yourself in that mindset of somebody who could run faster than the speed of light? The challenge was, I had a friend who visited me on the set one day and I almost wish he hadn't come to visit me because at the end of it he was like, wow. I said, wow, what? He said, that is an enormous production. I can't imagine what it must feel like, you know, that enormous crew and all those lights and, you know, we tend in the back lot to shoot night for day and all those trailers and all that equipment and, you know, the special effects people and the guest stars. And he said, and you're at the center of all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was like, yeah, you know. So that was, uh, but the acting, you know, people ask me, because, you know, I do have two Emmys for daytime TV, yeah. and people say, well, should I take a daytime TV acting class? And I said, there's no such thing as daytime TV acting, or theater acting, or primetime acting, or film acting. There's good acting, there's not so good acting, and there's really bad acting. And you can find all three in every medium. So I pretty much approach everything the same. The challenge being, Clearly, in theater, you have to kind of go out to the audience, mm. and as an actor, if there are actors in the room, it's almost a mental trick of conditioning yourself to pull the audience into you. Uh, at the beginning, uh, I'd get the uh, direction, do less. That's great, John, that's great. Now, 20% less, so, oh, okay, all right, we're good. You're on the right track, 30%. No, we don't need all this. Oh, okay, sit on my hands, right? And you have to be very still in order to be, otherwise, you know, your giant, big head is going, you know, people get seasick with your, John, you're making me seasick, would you be still? I said, oh, I got it, I got it. Um, and, I mean, obviously, when the Flash TV series ended, when people were saying, well, okay, that's, that's, that's the version of Flash we've had, and you went on to other things, like you've done Dawson's Creek, and right. that came after that, and then the new series came back. Right. 
and you were in it. And all of us of my generation lost our minds. <laughs> because they were actually paying, they paid homage, they saw the legacy of what you started. And they really seem to rep- they represent it on screen because other actors and actresses have come back as well yes. in roles from the original TV series. And also, have you had it out with Kev Conroy yet? Say you had Mark Hamill first. No, absolutely. I was like, he honed that character on my show. Mm. Oh no, Kevin and I, yes. Uh, he was bragging about his lines, his cues, you know, today. So then somebody came with a life-size I don't know if the guy's here, uh, cardboard stand-up replica of me in the old suit. So I ran it over to, to Kevin. I went, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm bragging about your lines. So we have a good uh, friendly rivalry going on. Um, but, yeah, but we, as I was saying, with the new show, they, they brought you back, and everyone was hoping that you were going to put on the suit at some point. And myself and my friends, we run a show called The Irish Podcast, and we talk about the show nonstop. And the Flash TV series is probably, the new one is probably one of if not our favourite new TV series from the DC Universe, because it's so enamoured with all the characters, and they showed a love for it. Was there something there yourself, you were happy that they were doing that? That they, obviously as an actor you're happy to be looking on back and working, doing this, but just to show that they're showing love for a character that you helped create. Uh, they've been incredibly kind, very generous. Of course, I worked with Greg Berlanti uh, 20 years ago now, we started Dawson's Creek. And uh, he was a writer and took over as head writer when Kevin Williamson went on to other projects. So I knew him uh, very well. First time I met uh, Andrew Kreisberg, you know, one of our executive producers, I went up and I said, very nice to meet you. He said, actually, we've already met. I said, we have? He said, uh, oh yeah, I was an assistant on the back lot at Warner Brothers when you were doing the, what they call the OG Flash. I was like, oh yeah, I, I, I said, and we met. He said, oh yeah, I totally invaded your space and fanboyed out on you. I'm like, was I nice? There's <laughs> <laughs> a lesson in that for young actors. Today's assistant is tomorrow's boss. So it's always good to be on your best behavior. But they're, you know, David Nutter, uh, Jeff Johns, you know, yeah. they're all so uh, generous. You know, there are two kinds of people who work probably in any business. And one kind is, okay, I can't give you your props because if I do, you're going to turn into a monster. So I'm not going to let you know. You know, and then there's the generous, kind, warm, open-hearted, enthusiastic kind who will tell you how much they appreciate your work. If you do something good, they will email you. Oh, man, that was great. You know, and Jesse Martin and I and... When the one where Joe comes to the to the prison yeah. and says, "Okay, my bad. All these years, I've thought, you know, that you were guilty." And Henry isn't going to let him off the hook that easily, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then they finally, yeah, yeah, you didn't believe. You did think I was a murderer. But if it hadn't been for you, what would have become of Barry? You know, when we got through with all those scenes, uh, Grant and uh, Jesse and I. Uh, Andrew Kreisberg wrote us and said, gents, great work, you know, I mean, that means a lot, you know, they really uh, are very open-hearted about their love of the Flash, they're writing a show that they want to see, because they love this character and they love this world, and uh, about our work, you know, they'll tell us when we do something they think misses the mark, but they're very generous with their praise when, when we hit it. Excellent. And did you know early on that you were eventually going to become Jay Gardner? No. I had no clue. No idea. It was very funny, kind of, how I found out. I hope they don't mind my telling this story. 
<laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I knew Henry Allen at the outset would have one, maybe two seasons. And I'm glad they asked me to come and play Henry because it was like playing a brand new part. Uh, it was not my origin story. You know, what? Henry Allen is wrongfully convicted of killing Nora in front of a tendril Barry? That blows my mind. If they had, I knew that if they came to me, that's the role I would want. Yeah. And then they did. And, uh, and so I knew as a plot device, he was there to let the audience into the vulnerability and the interior world of Grant's Barry. When he wanted to let down his guard, when all the music died down, the special effects calmed, he would come into that cubicle in the prison, pick up the phone, and it was just him, raw, young man, dealing with extraordinary circumstances. So I figured that Henry would be coming to an end. Uh, what I didn't know, which was about to follow, what was about to follow, I was booked for the last four episodes. I said, okay, here's the arc that will be the demise of, of, of Henry. And then I'm being fitted for this costume that was uh, brown. It looked like Henry's prison uniform, but it was brown and it was shredded. I'm like, oh, wow, this is weird. I'm already out of prison. Well, maybe we're doing a flashback. And then Kate, the fantastic costume designer, said, as I was putting my own clothes back on, of course, you'll be fitted for the iron mask separately. I said, the what? I'll be fitted for what? She's like, oh my God, you don't know? And she said, I didn't tell you, I didn't tell you. And I'm like, wow, so that's circulating in my head. And then I'm sitting in between takes with Jesse and Grant, and they said, so mad, did you hear what you're going to be doing next season? Uh, I said, yeah, apparently I'm the man in the iron mask. That trips me out. And they're like, yeah, that's all you know? And I'm like, there's more? And they said, man, you're the real Jay Garrick. And, you know, my mind just exploded. I couldn't quite figure out how that was going to happen. But then I called Greg, and I texted him, actually. I said, well, I'm hearing rumors about roles I may or may not be playing going forward. Can you, can you cue me in? He was like, oh, my God. I, I thought you had been talked to, and it had been clear. <laughs> then we talked the next day. And he explained how in the course of two episodes I would die as one character, be revealed in an iron mask, who turns out to be the character who died as Doppelganger, who is Barry's father, who is also the real Jay Garrick. And I was like, man, take me out of the equation. That's just good storytelling. And in effect, circled me through Henry Allen all the way around to the role, as you suggest, that the audience wanted me to play to begin with. Yeah. That's why I love our show. You know, there are constant surprises. I think, I know, speaking from experience, when you put on the helmet, when that disc went on, that was just nerd, nerdgasm. For oh, wow. Wow. I just got, just got goosebumps. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how uh, nervous I was about that. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, uh, by that point, it's 26 years later. You know, the last time I had had on a superhero suit and ripped the wings off at the end of the last shot with Mark Hamill and swore I'd never get into another superhero suit. And, uh, and I'm like, you want me to do what? And uh, here I am on set with these uh, gorgeous 20-somethings. And you want me to play? <laughs> what? And so everybody knew that I was really sort of self-conscious about it. So I get everything on and, you know, go through these fittings and... I walk onto the set and everybody bursts into applause. 
A lot of that was for Marla Ma uh, Myla Ma Manning, who, uh, who designed the suit. And, um, and then, as I was, you know, on set, you know, it's like, and they were beginning to do that shot around, and, I, I, you know, I'd say, I'd put on the helmet, I'd look off camera, and there was Candace Patton going. <laughs> and then at one point, Grant, being very generous, he called the camera, and he turned the monitor around so I could see the glint off the He said, look at that, man. Look, it's fantastic. So... The whole Flash family just kind of put their arms around me and, and got me through that first day. And, uh, you know, one thing I like so much about Grant's portrayal, and it's also a function of 24 years, 24 years later, mm. it's a different world. Yeah. Comics have gone mainstream. We're no longer, people are no longer unfamiliar, you know. Um, everyone else has caught up with you guys. And... Uh, and so Grant wears that suit like a second skin, man. He, he does leaps and spins and twirls and run and jump and he does dialogue in the suit, doesn't matter if it's day or night. And, uh, and so, you know, I, well, first time I walked on the, you know, the set when we had a scene together, both in our suits, he was like, man, this is so cool. You know, <laughs> the day I'd snatch him out of the speed force. And so they've all made it very easy for me and now I, I don't really think about it. You know. I also want to share one other thing that, the, that Kate, the costume uh, designer, really helped me with. And she said, because I was saying, uh, I don't know, I hope they know what they're doing. She said, well, actually, I think it's a, a very honorable thing that the CW and you are doing to demonstrate that you don't have to be 25 or 30 years old in order to be a superhero. And I thought, hmm. And that sort of helped me reframe it in my mind and make me more comfortable, you know, with doing it. I think actually the DC characters overall, there are a range of DC characters yeah. that are of like the older generation. Like yeah. you have it with every like there's like they brought it in with Batman with Batman Beyond. The Flash, there's obviously Jay Garrick and they, they go through the generations. Green Lantern have it as well, even with Alan Scott and then Hal Jordan. But it, it's it's, it is DC do that with those characters, but I think The Flash, out of all of the shows for me personally, The Flash represents everything I associate with The Flash. And The Flash, at its core, is about family. Yeah. And the show shows that. Yeah. And it really has done over the years, and it has adapted itself. And I think that's why, for me, and I think a lot of my colleagues as well, and I'm sure a lot of the audience, it is probably the best representation of the CW you've put together. And awesome. you see it on the screen. And you see it in the actors when they're, when they're filming the scenes. Like, you know, so I, I think as fans, we're appreciative of everything that's gone into it. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, it's a great group to work with, you know. And it all comes down from Grant, you know. He's a very fun guy. People say, what's Grant like? I say, what you see is what you get, you know. And that's what I was impressed with when I knew I'd be playing his father. And I tuned into Arrow that first time when he was there. And... And, you know, Oliver busts him and says, you're not being straight with us. Why are you here? What's going on? And he tells the story about his father and his mother. And I'm watching Grant play this scene and I'm thinking, okay, you can't see the acting. There's no acting. There's just truth. And whether you're in a superhero suit or you're in daytime TV or primetime or doing Dancing at Lunasa, which started at the Abbey Theatre, and I was privileged to go in after the Irish cast with the American cast on Broadway. That's what we're after. We're after some kind of truth that will hopefully resonate with audience members where they are, you know, and that hook them into the characters. And the great thing, I have to say, I have to thank you all for being here, is to get the affirmation that 
for whatever reason, a bit of work that I've done has re resonated with you, has found you wherever you are in your life at a particular moment, whether it was 25 years ago, or whether it's today, whether it was the drug addicted cop on NYPD Blue, or, or, the, or the awful psychotic father on Teen Wolf, or yeah. Mitch Leary, or, or, or Henry Allen. Um, the fact that that's meant something to you and what you express to me in an open, generous, affectionate way at my table is, uh, is really remarkable. And I am very grateful. Uh, I'm going to ask one last question and then we're going to open it up to the audience. I'm sure they have loads. So the guys with the microphones, you know what you're doing? Um, so, wow, this is like a military operation. Oh, we're, we got it down. You got pat. it down. Here. We got it down, Pat. <laughs> um, I got one last question. Yes, sir. How good was it to get Mark Hamill back on the show? Fantastic. God, I love Mark, you know. By about the fourth episode, and I knew we were doing 22 episodes in 1990, I was like this. I was like, oh my God, I'm, there's no way I'm going to make it through. All, this is about September, all the way through next May doing this. Well, here comes Mark, roaring in, full of enthusiasm, loving the trickster, no holes barred, working that unitard, you know. He's like, and I'm like, wow. You know, his commitment and his enthusiasm for the part, you know, made me up my game. Because when you work with someone like Mark, you either up your game or no one will even know you're there. So, yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. I mean, I think his fans as well, when he came back into the new show as the trickster, and you're like, whoa. Like, and wasn't that brilliant? Yeah. Because you saw a trickster. He didn't come back as the same trickster. He had been in Iron Heights for 25 years. And you saw how that, you know, because there was kind of a funny, delightful, madcap madness in 1990 that had turned to poison by the time he came back in, uh, in 2015. So, yeah, good on him. And good on our writers, you know, and producers. You got to turn a bit of villain as well, though, with, with Zoom on the animated series. I did. So what was that? What, that was literally just literally reversing the flash. Yes, yes. Well, we all know how it is in life to be our own worst enemy. So it was uh, not that much of a stretch. But yeah, it was fun. They asked me if I would come in and do that. And uh, again, it's like people ask me, is there any other role that you would want to play? And I'm like, my God, I've been honored to play Barry. I voiced Professor Zoom. I played Henry. And now I'm Jay Garrick. I think, you know, I don't want to push my luck. I don't know what else. Oh, Nora Allen. I mean, who? <laughs> what else I can play? Lovely red wig. Uh, I, I don't know. It could happen, but I doubt it. Actually, yeah, you're probably one of the only actors who have played on a large spectrum of Flash characters. That's crazy. It's amazing. I'm very, very, very grateful. Um, okay, we're going to open to the floor. Okay. And thank you guys so much for coming down. You know, I just, I love it when all of our energy is together. So thank you for indulging me in that. Okay, here we go. Ray, do you want to stand up? Uh, so in 1990, when the original Flash or Flash 1.0 was on, uh, how far in did you find out that you were only getting the one season, and uh, did you want to do more, uh, even though that it was cancelled? Ah, that's such a good question, and it's the first time I've been asked. No, um, uh, I didn't know, nobody did, because we were shooting, we were always behind our time. We were over schedule and over budget. And so we shot in May, through the second week in May, 
I think it was scheduled to end about halfway through April. And, and so the, the announcements of the networks were made right banked up against the end of uh, the trial of the trickster. So I finally made it through the last episode. I got on the plane and went back to New York. And I had mixed feelings, I have to tell you, because it was just physically so difficult in those days to do this kind of show on that kind of schedule. Uh, and and when, they, when they said, you know, no, we haven't been hooked up for a second season, it was kind of like part of me was relieved and part of me was disappointed because, you know, you invest that much in a project. Of course you want it to be a success. So, no, we didn't know. In fact, I don't think the network decided until the very last minute uh, because we were right on the edge, you know. And they knew, in fact, when I was at the Tony Awards, the following year, Dancing at Lunasa, having been nominated as Best Play on Broadway that year, and I was at the Tony's, and uh, Howard Stringer in corporate CBS came to me, who I hadn't met him, uh, and introduced himself and apologized to me uh, about the way the show had been handled, because of course, as, as you guys know, uh, our advanced reviews were spectacular in all the major newspapers, Washington Post, and they singled out the acting and the effects, and I mean, we were blown away by our reviews. We were so psyched, and I think CBS was overconfident. They put us in their toughest time slot against Cosby and The Simpsons at their peak. We were like, okay, take a deep breath, okay. Even, even though we came in a strong third place, even with that competition, and the newspapers said, Flash lifts CBS to strong ratings week. Uh, I had that, I was going through clippings the other day, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right, we did. And, uh, and then we were on for two episodes, and then they had the World Series, so we were pre preempted for a couple of weeks. Then we were back on for an episode, and then the first Gulf War broke out, and then we were back on, and halfway through the third episode, back on the air, Daddy just threw up in a state dinner in Japan, and so that was preempted. And then they moved us to the half hour. An hour show has never worked on the half hour in the history of television. Then they moved our mind. And I began to get letters from our core audience, we can't find you. And I was like, we're working so hard, and your core audience is having trouble. It's not like today. It's not like you set your DVR, you know. And, uh, and I, 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 I saw kind of the writing on the wall. But even so, as late as March, Jeff Dancy called me in my trailer and said, you know, the show is, I know it's not what we want to be in the ratings, we have every confidence, we do a great job, you know, we've got merchandising to in next year, don't worry. And you have to take all that with a grain of salt, even if it's met with all the best will in the world, because, uh, you know, uh, you don't have your second, it took us 24 years to get a second season, basically. So that's how that worked out. Cheers, Ray. Thanks for that. I was going to step up. I don't want to be rude. Yeah, stand behind you. Sorry. Come on, come on. Um, okay, so we have a question over here. Yeah. Well, I know you can't say a lot about season four of The Flash, all right? But Tom Cavanaugh has already confirmed that there's another Harrison Wells coming in. Can you take anything about that? And if you can't, what is your favorite? I can't. All I say is la 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 yeah, la. Yeah, I remember that answer. Yeah, I was doing a QA in Jordan, uh, Cape Jordan, Missouri. Yeah, Legends. If you picture, yes. And they said something, and I dropped the name Legends, because I thought it was common knowledge. And suddenly, everyone went to their phones, 
and uh, you know, uh, Google began blowing up, and I got a, a message from uh, my good friend Suzanne Gomez. I said, John, could you cool it? We haven't announced the name yet, so could you kind of calm it down? Could you? I was like, oh my God, because they're so good. I mean, the way they handled my rollout, announcing that I was going to be on the show. Oh my goodness, who's he going to play? Who's he going to play? Who's going to play? That starts to die down. Then they say, Henry Allen, Henry Allen, Henry Allen. I mean, we were trending on Twitter before we were ever on the air, you know? And so I felt so bad about sort of, you know, sticking my foot right in the middle of their brilliant campaign. So even if I knew, I wouldn't be able to say. Right. But who is Sarah Carson's office about you? Who is yours? <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Pre-Harry? Probably Harry. No, probably Harry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm not seeing him on Patreon yet, so I'm seeing Yeah, right? Right, right. Oh, yeah, that is. No, I'm not seeing him. No, I'm not seeing him. I'm not Okay, all right. All right. You can, I may have a spoiler. Here, during the we always have to, we always have to play catch up over here. We, we're always playing catch up. Yeah. Um, okay, we have another question at the back here. Where is where the back? You gotta stand up. Not only your character from Air Tree, is there any talk of doing a uh, Justice Society for Air Tree or anything like that? And would you be interested in doing it? You mean a separate standalone? Yes, yeah, no, not the multiverse. Would you be interested? Not about um, your character from Air Tree. Uh, no, like on his own show? Yeah, on his own show, doing the Justice Society, so and then not like, uh, coming into this bit, not like a crossover from everything. Well, well, that would be a lot of work, wouldn't it? Yeah, but that would be awesome. That would be Mario Kart. I'm kind of enjoying the kid doing the heavy lifting these days. <laughs> um, you know, I would be up for just about anything, for any production task you to do, because I have, like Mark Hamill, when they said he was coming back as a trickster, he was like, wow, how's that going to work out? And. Uh, but he trusted, uh, you know, our team, and you know, I would be grateful to do. I had a great time when we went to Earth Three. Man, it was so, you know, when Mark was there and he was shooting the bullets, and I'm suddenly I'm catching the bullets, and I'm like, you're out of ammo, you know. And Grant comes in at the end, like, what show is this? Because <laughs> you know? the heightened reality and the color, and Mark, you know, he's like, I'm not out of bombs, you know. That was very funny. We're doing all that. I'm running. I'm catching bullets. I come up to him and I present the helmet and he says, I'm not out of arms. And we're this close to each other's faces. They yell cut and he says, We're grown ups. <laughs> <laughs> I actually forgot to ask you something. I really want to ask this because I'm also a huge Star Trek fan. When you were in Fantasy Island with yes. Ricardo Valdemar. Oh my god. Way to go, man. Thank you. So, wow. you're. you. Ricardo Montalban. Montalban and Barry Villachez, yes. Yeah. So, like, Fantasy Island was a cult hit show back when I was a kid, I don't know if any of you were now, but what was it like, because that's a serial episode, so you turn up and you have your fantasy play out on the island. But that was a very famous show in the day and day. Very famous. And Ricardo Montalban was the host, and he, he, was, he didn't look like Khan, it wasn't a Khan was standing there and he'd rock in and bring it to your fantasy. What was that like to, to, to film it? Well, it was great fun, because it was, uh, it was an episode built around Susan Lucci, basically, and I was her co-star, who in the side, the story of the soap, were filming on the show. I was supposed to kill my rival, and she said it so that there were real bullets in the gun, and I would turn and kill her husband at the proper moment in the scene, who was directing the episode. Susan had a very funny story about that. I, I don't really remember this, but you know, what, 30 years later when I go on All My Children, 
to play Carter Jones. I see Susan in the hall with the executive producer, and she, we hugged, and she said, oh, the first time John Wesley met me, he said, oh, you're so tiny. And by the elbows and start the shoulder pressing me. I said, Susan, I did not. She said, I swear you did. She's a tiny little thing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are a good guy. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's just the idea of, of actually having somebody who's on Fancy Island, because Ricardo Montalbán, growing up, for me, was always like this exotic character, but he was calm at the same time, so. Just an idea of what that he was as an actor. No, it's great, and I'm so grateful when someone uh, remembers. That was 1982. Yeah. You know, of course, it's been a reruns continually since yeah. then. But you know, anyone that that comes and they mention uh, almost a little apologetically sometimes, either the soaps yeah. or Kelly Nelson or a guy. I'm like, no, I love my, you know, my my fantasy island, my guy who like my ass the world turns people because it's like they've hung in with me over the long haul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, we got to, uh, where we got a question now. Stand. You got to stand up. You have the microphone. So stand up. This is kind of left field, but from what you were saying earlier on about hanging around with lots of twenty-something-year-olds and you're the more the, the older character, when you had to do the scene with the Jay Garrett costume and stuff, and from wearing jumpsuits previously, did you have to do any kind of different regimens, like workout or anything, or did you always kind of keep a kind of a workout schedule? Because for I don't know how old you are, but for a man of the later years, you don't you you keep good shape, like kind of John Cena opinion style. And I was just wondering, did you have to do anything extra, like subconsciously they told you, or you didn't? You did it on your own accord? No, they didn't give me any time. I, mean, I was up there. <laughs> and I, really, like, I always keep a, a certain, you know, regimen. The good thing about playing Henry Leon was he didn't have to be in great shape, you know. So I'd have my fucking body guys before I go to bed at night, you know. And then they say, oh my god! So and then they throw me in a superhero suit. If you look at the difference between the season finale of episode two and the second episode where I pull him out of the speed force yeah. at the beginning of episode three. There was a three or four month lag, three month lag. And but you bet I was back at the gym. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, let's get this way off. Now, did they tell you to do that or was that just you and yourself? Me, me, you. that was just me. They kept reassuring me. Because they were afraid I might bolt at any moment. They were like, I'm afraid, man. I don't know. I said, look at you. What do you mean you're going down? You're going to be a superhero again. All right, all right. That's cool. Thank you very much, man. Cheers. Okay, we've got one up here and another one over here, okay? Hello. Um, Hi. What's your name? Uh, Michael. Hi, Michael. Uh, I'm just wondering, what's your opinion on Henry Allen being killed in season two, Flash? You know, I knew that, um, as I said, Henry Allen, you know, was, was coming to an end. I mean, once he was out of prison, you know, uh, they, uh, I, one thing I did not want to do was hang around after a wonderful season one in which every time I showed up, it meant something, you know. I felt like I brought the 1990s show with me and all that rich history, and I channeled this into being the father of this wonderful new actor who was assuming the man, and I got to channel all those feelings and into those scenes. Once I'm out of jail, what happens? What am I going to be sitting around in my underwear reading pizza and reading the newspaper? Is that going to work? Why not today, Bert? You know? And so um, I knew it would be rough on the audience, particularly coming on the heels of his mother's death, but um, everything that 
It's always hard to kill a character. You know, I've done it many times. My mother says, and they write it into your contract where every time you do a role, you have to be killed at the end. She said, I can't take it much more of this. But uh, it did allow uh, a wonderful story to come from it. That suddenly, and it all revolves around Graham's Barry because he is the Flash on this version of the Flash. So everything that we do uh, is relevant in terms of how it impacts the hero story. So suddenly, Grand Spirit sees his father's doppelganger come out of that iron mask, you know? And then that turns out to be his mentor. So it's sort of like he, he wants what he had with his father, the softness. And, you know, Jay's doesn't have that emotional investment. Jay's investment is in the speed force. And so he's got to deal with somebody who's looking into the face of his father, who's not the soft shoulder. It's big boy rules now. It's what kind of superhero do you want to be? You know, it's, uh, and so it's a completely different energy. So, yes, Henry's death was hard, but everything that spun out after it has been worth it. What, what do you feel about it? What, what causes you to ask that question? Um, no, it was just an interesting question. Yeah, it is an interesting question. Thank you for asking me. Thanks, man. What, like, in regards to, like, you switched pretty much instantaneously, so when Henry was gone, it was straight to Jay. Yeah. How hard was that to go from somebody who was a nurturing father to a character that Grant was sitting across from you as an actor going, I need the emotional feedback from you, but you're like, look, son, you just got to grow up. You know, how tough was that? It's funny because the kinds of roles you play impact your relationship off screen. Yeah. And it was a bit of a, it, it was a bit strange because suddenly, Whereas before, I'm just reflecting a father's love back to him and how much, uh, you know, and I genuinely felt that about him. He's doing a wonderful job. I knew there were insecurities in hearing assuming their role, but I wanted to reflect back to them how good of a job I thought he was doing and that love and that affirmation and that you know, just sort of wrapping around in affirmation. That was sort of when I went onto the set, that was what I wanted to do. Suddenly, uh, you know, I've gone from there to here, you know, and uh, I remember we were running lines at that diner scene, you know, and uh, basically my attitude is, it's my feet, speed force, don't mess it up, but you're just going to throw a tantrum every time you break up with your girlfriend and change things, don't you understand that you can never put things back together exactly the way it was. Yeah, I know I look like your father, sorry about that. You know, but it's big boy rules. And we were running lines. <laughs> I mean, Barry, Barry, Grant's looking at me. And he just laughs and puts his head down and starts shaking his head. What are you laughing at? It's just so weird. It's so, it's so strange doing these scenes. It's such a different energy. But it's interesting. In the way that playing Barry helped me play Henry, because I've been there, I've been where he is. I had all the insecurities that he had. He knew I had been there. I knew what he was going through. So the father-son relationship was built in and we could sort of sit down and look at each other and tell the truth. Yeah. By the same token, having played Barry, the way I prepared for Jay was I went back and I looked at a couple of my original episodes. And I was like, okay, what was the energy there? What did I do? What did I do that caused the audience to resonate with my Barry, and how can I bring that forward 24 years and incorporate it 
into a new version of Jay. So there was a wonderful synchronicity about the whole experience, you know. Everything that came before, I've been able to channel into what I'm doing now. And how rarely, and Mark Hamill said it, he said, how, how often do you get to come back 24 years later and participate in a meaningful way in uh, handing uh, a role off to the next generation? He had just come from the set of Star Wars, so he got to do it twice in one summer, but it's, uh, yeah, it's been a real meaningful experience, a great synchronicity about it. Yeah, I think, I think that's what people have resonated with you being in the show so much as well. Because that is that whole the maturity of your character. People are probably looking at Jay going, "Well, that's your version of Barry all grown up." Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I. That's what I. Yeah. Use. Thank you. And next question. We got one over here. We'll come down here. And um, Darren, we there. We've got. Can we get a microphone? Just come down here for one second, please. Thanks. Yeah, you got one here, it's okay. So go ahead. I, I was just wondering, if the writers of the current series wanted to maybe use the multiverse tool to bring the original Flash into the new series for an episode or two, is that something that you would be interested in? Would you put that old suit back on for an episode? <laughs> you are all right. I'm doomed. No, I was sitting in an interview with Andrew Chrysler, and he said, actually, I'm over here. And he says, actually, um, we were thinking about not putting John back in the original suit, and I snapped my head to look toward him, and he went, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, anything could happen, as Andrew has said, how meta do you get before the whole thing falls apart? I know it's something that someone would want to see, but man, they need to, they need to do the same improvements in that original suit that they've done in the Jake Eric suit. They think it's at least be able to wash it, you know? <laughs> for, for the sake of everyone concerned, you know? They could do it. There's this nod where Jay has this, like a bat cave type thing, and he has a suit hanging just there, just there's your old suit, that's his new war back in the 80s. All shriveled up. But, you know, it did, when you originally in the flash, it comes out of a ring, all shriveled, so, you know, we never know. Yeah, and yeah. um, we do have a question here. Okay, could you two stand up, please? I just, this is what I love about conventions. I don't have to wear the costumes. Turn around. Good job, guys. Good job. And for everyone who is, uh, who is wearing a costume, thank you. You, you know, you uh, contribute to the convention just as much, you know, as we do, if not more. Which question? Hi, Doug. Uh, thanks very much for that, and um, it's, it's amazing to talk to you. I, um, I was just going to say, I think you, as a father figure in The Flash, as all the characters you play are phenomenal. Watching the TV show, we, we watched the show together, and it was one of the hardest things to, to see you die, because as much as I love my own father, you watch the show and you feel like, you know, that, that kind of love, we feel it too, we really do. Um, I know that you, well, I, I think you're quite a personal <clears throat> person when it comes to your personal life. Um, so as out of respect, I've never really looked into your personal life, but that fatherly sort of, you know, that nature, that nature, was that, you know, was that just your brilliant acting? Does that come from somewhere in your personal life? You know, how, how did you manage to not only father another actor, but a, a whole, you know, whole world of people out there watching from a TV screen? I don't know, I'm very, I'm very humbled by your question. Thank you, the way you framed it. I, of course, my ego would love to think it's my brilliant acting. <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with the writing, because if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage, as they say. 
and I've been fortunate to work with some wonderful writers. I've loved every father that I've played, from Barney Bucks, you know, in Every Story 2, through my abusive parent on the life to live, to that horrible psychotic that I can't even stand to watch on Teen Wolf, and I apologize to everyone, Teen Wolf fan here for that. Uh, love Daniel Charman, and that this wonderful experience coming and passing off this uh, this this role to this fine young man and fine actor of whom I'm you know I'm terribly fond. So it's not it's it's a combination. Yeah, yeah, you know, Grant saw the pilot before I saw it, and that scene in the prison, you know. And uh, we were at the upfronts in New York where they were announcing the new season. And he came to me and said, Man, have you seen it? You see, it, 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 it's so well. He said, I was sitting there. He said, I had to remind myself, Oh, it's so cool. And you cannot cry at your own scene. This is, <laughs> this is, this is so uncool. And, and, you know, and I said to him, I said, Well, I'm glad it's that way. If it hadn't been that way, that would have been our fault. Because I gotta tell you, when I read it, the first time I cried, I was like, wow. And then they pulled the fast one on me. Uh, there were, just for, again, David Dunn, a wonderful director, Emmy Award winning director David Thrones, many other projects, directed our Flash 2014 pilot and set the tone for our episodes going forward. But he was directing that first prison scene, you know, and I walked on the set. And he says, uh, I burned the scene as it was written, and he came up to me. And he said, very quietly, he said, we've written some additional lines uh, that we didn't want you to hear until uh, this photo. And he said, so we wrote them, I wish I could remember his exact words, and he said, in order to try to live up to what we feel about what you've contributed to this character in the past and everything you mean to the world of the Flash going forward. So don't come in when you hear your cue wait until he tells you he loves you. So I'm listening like mad. What a brilliant direction. First of all, I'm completely, I forget about me, and I'm listening like crazy. And the part that I didn't hear was, you know, Dad, everyone has told me to change my name, you know, because they don't want me to be associated with you. But I'm glad that I'm your son. I'm proud of your name, and I am proud to be your son. Oh. And then he said, I, I love you, and he was sitting on the glass. I mean, people ask me, how do you work up an emotion in a scene like that? And I say, the problem isn't working up the emotion, the problem is not letting the emotion run away with you. Because nobody wants to see somebody wallow in their own emotions for, for its own sake. But I gotta tell you, that was an incredibly moving moment. At that moment, I wasn't sure who was talking. Was Barry talking to Henry, or was Grant talking to John? Wow. And I feel that it was a combination of the two. That's a great question. Thanks very much. And we have, you see, you got to stand up. Just reflecting on the father figure aspect of that question, on Arrow, we all know the whole season was about sins of the father. Yeah. What advice would you give to Oliver after the annual blowing up? And would you think it would be helpful if 
another Earth 2 and Earth 3 Oliver's father comes back and gives him advice or would Jay Garrick do it himself? Okay, I have to separate my, my actor self. It's like, it's gotta be Jay Garrick, it's gotta be me. I would love to play that scene with him, yeah. man. Because that anytime there's a mentor, uh, a pupil, a father-son relationship, the audience is immediately pulled in because as a mother-daughter relationship, that that's a powerful relationship. That relationship resonates. So I would love to do that. If I take my ego out of it, I take it see. You know, wouldn't we love to see that? Wouldn't we love this sometimes tortured man, you know, who's doing the best he can, but goes, he's unlike Barrett. He's right up, but right up against breaking the law, you know? Yeah. Vigilantism. But wouldn't it be great for him to get some softness and kindness and from his dad? Yeah. What would you like to see? I would, love, I would love to see it happen, I would. Yeah. yeah. That's a good suggestion. Tweet it if you want to see it. Yeah. Tweet it. <laughs> okay, we've got time for one more question. We're going to go, go to young lad over here. You want to stand up? Um, if we're going to be any more hint for imports, or like where Grant goes in, because last season there was like one. A what now? Hint for imports. Hint for imports, I don't know, and quite frankly, with all due respect, if I knew, I wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> no spoilers. But, but, but that's a good suggestion. That's a good suggestion. Yeah. Thank you for that question. What's your name? Bela. Bela? Yeah. It's good to meet you. Thank you for being here. Okay, that was a quick question. So we have time for one more. So at the back, we haven't got anyone really, you know, so you stand up there. Hi, sorry. Can I snuck in, so if anyone has already asked this question, I was a little late, so I apologize. Um, is there any chance of us maybe seeing like a, a spin-off standalone Jay Garrick uh, TV series? I'm so, you know, I appreciate your interest in that. Uh, that, that was asked, and uh, if you want to see it, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. I, I uh, you know, I, 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 I love the character. I would love to see the character develop. You know, I'd love to see more of the mentoring between Barry and Jay. I'd love to see Jay and Wally, and how's this first story idea? Okay, Joe took over raising Barry at the age of 10 into adulthood, and then sort of to end, add insult to injury, Barry becomes a cop like Joe instead of a surgeon like Henry. What if Henry's doppelganger, as a speedster, becomes the mentor of Wally, and Joe now has to deal with his son being closer to Henry's doppelganger in some ways and able to get something from Jay that he can't get from Joe, and suddenly the shoe's on the other foot. My head just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone has to tweet that. Where's JC? JC, are you in the house? Where's JC Alvarez? I have to give that, uh, oh, he's back there, that uh, pro uh, producer with HBO for 17 years. I, I can't take credit for that idea, but man, would I love to play it. If you want to see it, Wait. Wait. thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Joe and